Yeah, what's going on, everybody? You are now tuned in to Fix Pro Tips. You know, your number one stop for business, sports, and entertainment, bringing you nothing but real, up-to-date content. Hope you guys are ready. We have another one for you. We got a good one. We got some good things to talk about. We got some more updates. We got all the goods all in one place. So let's get to it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is uh, Coach Fig here, checking in as your host of Fig's Pro Tips. Today is January 1st, 2023, man. So Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, before we go any further, just want to thank God for this opportunity and for allowing me to reach all you people throughout all these platforms. Uh, when I started doing this podcasting thing, I never thought uh, I never thought about taking it, you know, to a level like this where I would actually have access to reach so many people. But um, you know, it's not my will; it's God's will. So always thankful and grateful for all my blessings. Um, want to thank you guys for joining me on. The new year, you know, starting off the new year, listening to my voice. Uh, hopefully, I can bring you guys some uh, some uh, good content, things you guys will enjoy. And um, again, I appreciate everyone that tunes in and, and shows us support, man. This will be a, a interesting journey, interesting ride, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, embarking on all these new adventures, you know, and uh, building up this following of people that uh, you know I can help influence and and guide in a better direction than what's already out there. Um, with that being said, today's topic is tied to the who is Coach Fig, and this is uh, I felt should have been a, a good way to introduce myself to the people. Obviously, I can't sum up who I am one hundred percent on my entire life into you know an hour or two, so I'm I'm probably gonna break it up into two or three different uh, parts. Won't be released back to back, but um definitely going to open up with uh with this right here so if you didn't notice i opened up by thanking god and um i i wasn't always that way i wasn't always a, a god-fearing man um i'm thankful today that i am because i know right from wrong and and i can appreciate life a lot better now i can understand life a lot better now um i have a better purpose um and that's why i do these things to try to help people really see things from a different perspective. I'm not here to change your belief in religion. I'm not here to tell you you're right or wrong. I'm here just to let you know from my personal experiences, the things that I've encountered, and, um, you know, hopefully some of the tools and some of the gems that I give out to you guys can help improve the quality of living for anyone that tunes in. And if you don't like it or or, or if you do like it and you pass it along, I mean, I all I want to do is just give out a positive message and reach reach people, man. So, um, with that being said, I'm a I'm gonna dive right into exactly who is Coach Fig. Um, I'll take y'all back to when I was young, and um, you know, your your typical urban community scenario, single parent household. I'm from the Bronx, New York, born and raised. Um, father. My father was in prison, you know, my mom was dealing with life. Um, so pretty much my early years was raised by my aunts and my grandmother. Um, was raised, you know, standard, 
standard household, you know, you get your three meals a day, you go to school, do your work, so on and so on. Um, it wasn't really until I got a little older in my early teens, like literally right at 13, that uh, life kind of got a little hectic. I went from uh, on a road student to just pretty much living out of the streets, running up and down, eventually uh, got myself tied up with the street life. Um, did a lot of things I would now as a, as an adult I look back I did a lot of things in the past I really wasn't proud of but um you know that's that's part of life that's why we live and we learn um so I don't hold myself uh, I don't hold I don't hold myself too um too harshly against against my past because you know no one's perfect nothing's perfect there's a saying out there where they say practice makes perfect and it's actually a lie because there's nothing perfect in this world. Um, practice makes you better, but it will never make you perfect. So I understand that, and uh, hopefully, you know, s some of my audience does as well. And don't think I'm just uh, I'm full of it or full of myself, cause uh, that's not that's not it. Um, but yeah, man, like I said, I grew up regular. Um, I was uh, before anything, I wanted to be like a lawyer, and uh, that was my aspirations was to be a lawyer, and uh, obviously that didn't work because for those of you who don't know. I'm a high school dropout, but I'm not your typical dropout. I'm not, I'm not the person that dropped out and just said, "Hey, life is hard on me." Um, I, um, I dropped out and uh, I made something out of myself. I put a lot of work. Obviously, my road to success has been a lot longer, if not a lot harder than the average man. But I still, found my way. You know, I've done the things that I that I enjoy, and I think that that's what's most important. A lot of people go into careers and they uh, go through all the schooling, all the training, and it's because they want to make the money. And then they realize that the money isn't making them happy. And so they end up at the job with a different career path that wouldn't make them happy, and then they don't make the money. So uh, if I can give anybody any advice right now is uh, make sure that whatever you're getting yourself into, you're passionate about, you know. And that applies to everything in life, not just your career. Think about your relationship. Right. People get into relationships and, you know, it becomes they become comfortable. They become complacent. You know, oh, this person gives me half the rent, you know, whatever. This is my babysitter when I had to work overtime, things like that. And there's so much more to life. You know, you got to you got to really enjoy life. People say, uh, you know, uh, life is life is short. And it is. It really is short, man. When you think about it, if you look back, look back at the last five years of your life. Look at how much you haven't accomplished. Look at how much you have accomplished. And then think about all the things that you would have wanted to have accomplished within that time frame. And I guarantee you that you haven't accomplished at least half of that list. You know, there's a there's a few there's a few individuals out there that are, you know, really go getters and you know, and I'm not exempt from this. I myself I have some goals that I had set up and, you know, just being distracted with life. Like I said, no one is perfect. Uh, I never claim to be. I never will. I, I, I will never claim to be. But it doesn't mean that I won't continue to, to 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 do my best so I can be better. I can be the best version of myself. Right. Um, but but yeah, man. So uh, don't 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 let life's hiccups uh, determine, you know, the, the rest of your future, the rest of your life and how you make progress, because ultimately it's it's solely up to you if, if you don't get yourself together, if you don't uh take take these things in stride and use it as motivation man don't 
you know, uh, my dad wasn't there, you know. I could have used that as the excuse as into why not being a good father. I got I got great, four great sons, four great sons. And obviously I'm going to tell you I'm a great dad. But what I tell you shouldn't matter. You can ask any of my children. You can ask anyone around me, anyone that knows me, even people that don't like me. If there's one thing that they got to say about me is that I'm a good dad. Um, And I use the the fuel, the motivation from not having a father in my life. And I, and I, people say, oh, I, I didn't have a father. I don't know how to be a father. Look, I didn't have one either, okay? But check it out. I use everything that I didn't have, everything that I ever felt as fuel and motivation to do the exact opposite for my kids. So, no, I didn't have a support system. Guess what? I'm their biggest support system. I didn't have no one come to my sports games. Guess what? I go to the sports games. That's that's just it. You know, the little things. I didn't have no one to sit down and give me real life advice. I give my kids real life advice all the time. I can't hold their hands and walk them through life, even if I would like to. But I can prepare them for it. And hopefully, when life comes at them, I've done a good enough job where they can make the, the best decisions possible in any case scenario so that's that's something that uh and everyone and anyone else can apply to their life you know and again same thing man when it comes to to the grind man you know i i personally i gotta say i had a great example i I was raised with a hustler um the biggest hustler i've ever known in my life and um not not a street hustler my mom's man my mom was a hustler, man. Single mother raising two kids in the South Bronx, riddled with drugs and crime. And and that woman did everything within her will to ensure that her boys was good. And at the, at the time, I didn't appreciate it. At the time, I couldn't understand it. But, man, when I look back now as an adult, man, pff, the realest hustler I ever knew, man. I mean, we did the welfare thing, right? We did. We had, we had food stamps, so it's not like... She didn't get no help, but, man, she didn't just rely on that. She didn't rely on public assistance, man. My mom was a, a go-getter. I'm talking about two or three jobs, man, whether it was working in the nursing home, which she recently retired from, um, you know, doing uh, a, a cleaning. She would do home cleanings and, and fucking wash people's uh, clothes and iron clothes, whatever, whatever it took, man, whatever it took. My mom was a true hustler, and she did all that to make sure she put food on the table for us she kept the lights on and they kept a roof over our head. So subconsciously, as a child growing up, man, you see this, man, and it does it does influence you. So, um, you know, at 13, I want I want the Jordans like everybody else got because I'm young. I don't know no better. Today, I, I still buy Jordans, but I don't wear them. I buy them for my kids. My kids want it. But I explain to them. It's material things. You know, the shoe don't make the man. The man makes the shoe, just like they say money don't make the man. Man makes the money, and that's that's true all around, okay? You have to have character. I'm the same person. If I got on Walmart sneakers, or if I got on Yeezys, or if I got on uh, uh, Jordans, or whatever, whatever whatever the hot shoe is, I'm the same person. I'm the same person. That ain't going to change, man, because you have, to, you have to stand on something. And if what you stand on is material... Uh, materialistic, once those materialistic things are gone, you ain't got nothing. You know what I'm saying? So you got to believe, you got to believe in something. And, uh, 
anything that's material could be here today and gone tomorrow. So, you know, that's a that's another little uh, a little gem, a little little tip I wanna, you know, kinda just push out there, man. Stop falling in love with uh these material things. And that's actually um another episode uh that we have coming out where it's uh speaking on uh people with a poor mentality, you know, poor mentality. Um it's it's one of the biggest things that impacts um urban communities because we're not educated. We don't we don't have no one to teach us about uh financial uh freedom or just never mind financial freedom but just finances in general, how to balance a checkbook, you know, all we know is go to the ATM or swipe the debit card. That's it. They don't talk to you about how to break down your pay, how much you should be saving, right? Like they don't they don't teach you the ten percent rule where if, if you don't have that ten percent in actual uh liquid cash, you shouldn't be purchasing it, right? So you got paid today, well, let's say five hundred dollars. You go shopping and you pay two fifty on a pair of sneakers. That was not wise at all. That was not wise at all. But because only thing we know is how to look good, um, that's that's what we go for. But I tell people all the time, you don't want to just look good, man. You want to live good, and that's that's my goal. That's what I aim for. I aim to live good. I don't care about how I look. Matter of fact. I want you to think I don't have nothing because then I'm no longer a target. I'm not on your radar, right? You never heard of a a, a crack house that was raided, or not raided, but because uh, they get raided all the time by police, but uh, a crack house that was robbed, right? No one ever goes rob a crack house. There's nothing in there, right? Crackheads in there doing crack. Like, what are you going to find in there? So who do you hear gets robbed? Look, turn into California news, man. These mansions are broken into all the time. Sitting ducks, man. They stick out like sore thumbs. So that's the thing, man. When you when you make yourself look a certain way, you, you put a target on your back. You have to understand. Like I said, I come from the Bronx. I grew up seeing guys with Benzes, Beamers, Lexus. Now they done upped it. Yeah, they done took it to another level, right? Now you got uh, Maybachs in certain neighborhoods and Maseratis and Range Rovers been through the hood all the time, right? But the same person that's driving that vehicle is your next-door neighbor or he lives above you or across the street. This guy's really not doing that much better than me. He could, but he's not doing that much better. I mean, in New York City, you don't even need a car in reality. A car is a luxury, right? You got subways. You got buses. New York City is one of the few places where you can still flag down a cab. Now you got Uber, Lyft. There's a million ways to to, communi- uh, to commute throughout the city. So in reality, to to put a, to go out there and purchase a six figure vehicle is just simply foolish. You can take those same six figures, go get you some real estate, and it, it literally change your your way of living by living in it. Or you can just make it an investment property. You could rent it out, have your tenants pay your mortgage, right, and. It, Eventually, you'll own the property for free. Only thing you do is put the money down, or you could be really smart about it. You get you a multi-family home, right? Three a three-family home would would probably be the best case scenario. But whatever, even if it's a a dual family home, and you take one side, you let them have the other side, and again, you can live for free. You can have these people pay your mortgage. So these are these are little things that impact our. Uh, our communities but like i said that's for a, a, a later episode 
Um, that one will be t- uh, titled uh, poor Man- uh, Signs of a Poor Mentality, I believe. Um, so look out for that one if, uh, if you're looking to get some uh, financial um, education or under, uh, not, I won't say education, but just a better understanding on, on how to handle your finances and, and what are good, some, what are some good investments and things of that nature. But, um, to, to continue with what I was saying about myself. So yeah, I, I come from, uh, I come from the, from the South Bronx, man. I was, um, I was raised on prospect, my family, uh, tree, as they say, right. It comes from, we come from prospect Ave, man, prospect and Longwood. Um, that's, that's like, those are my father's stomping grounds. Um, Banana Kelly, as some would call it. Um, back, back when I was growing up, I actually, even before that, man, like that, that, uh, section of the Bronx was, I mean, you had to be from there to be there. And even the ones that were from there sometimes weren't there. That's how bad it was. Um, but, uh, my dad, my dad was one of those guys, you know, well-respected in the streets. Everybody knew about him, and those are some of the things that used to drive me crazy because people would see me. Like, you go to the store, and I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. Grab it. Just tell your father that uh, we let you get it. And it's like, how do all these people know my, my pops? And I don't know this man. You know, so it worked, it worked to my advantage in most cases, but it was frustrating at the same time because it's like all these people know who this man is, and I don't know who he is. Um, but that's... Maybe we'll we'll dive into that maybe in the second second part of this uh of this um uh, episode or, or the third. We'll see. We'll see how I feel about it. Um I'm not really big on airing out dirty laundry as they call it. But um I am an open book. I do keep it a hundred, so you know, I ain't got no problem. I'm pretty sure my story can relate, reach and touch many other people out there with similar stories. So hopefully, um, you know, my story can help shed light on some of the things that people can do and improving the quality of their life because when you hold a grudge against somebody or when you don't allow someone to tell their side of the story you uh you end up with half the story which means you only get half the truth which technically makes it half a lie um that's a lot to digest there for for some people um so uh i'll let y'all marinate that on your own time you can play it back or whatever um but yeah, man, so I grew up in the Bronx, like I said, uh, Longwood, Prospect, Banana Kelly, whatever you want to call it. Um, but those those are like, I was a child. I was a kid, very small. Um, I was I was shipped off to Puerto Rico. I did uh, my first first years of school was in Puerto Rico, um, living with my grandparents in Puerto Rico. My mom was there briefly. Um, some things happened. Um some things happened at, at a very young age. Um, I witnessed my mother get pistol whipped and um, split her, her nose. And it was, uh, I think that was the moment in my life where everything changed. That's the moment where I realized that uh, the world, the world was a cold place. I can't fully understand the process why a man would do such a thing to a woman. Um, this was no one she was involved with or anything like that. It wasn't like a boyfriend or a husband or anything like that. It was just a dude from the streets that, uh, you know, felt like that was the right thing to do for whatever reason. And, um, so I grew up, I grew up with that in my mind always. Um, so when I turned 13, um, I was always upset. I was always angry at the fact that one, I witnessed that, but two, I was too small to do anything about it. Um, when I was 13, 
uh, I'm I'm all over the place. Part of me, y'all. So, yeah, th- this happens. My mom, my mom leaves back to New York, but we stay in Puerto Rico with uh with my grand with my grandparents, and um, a couple years go by, and then we end up back in New York. Um, from New York, um, we're back in the Bronx. It was a brief stay in the Bronx. Then we wind up. Um, we wound up back up in uh, where the hell we were? Syracuse. We was in Syracuse, New York. We went upstate New York, man. Uh, beautiful place when you compare it to the Bronx. You know, I go from big buildings, dirty streets to just bunch of houses, tree lines, tree lined all the way from corner to corner, and you know, backyard. And so it was a definitely a, a big change of environment. Um, it was a one of the greater moments in my life as a child because reunited with my mom. You know, obviously me and my brother, we always was together. That was automatic. That never changed. Um so, you know, it, things were great. Things felt fantastic. And um I went to uh went to school in Syracuse. I was on a row. I was I was so many things. I was a lot of good things, right? Like a lot of great things. Then um <clears throat> From Syracuse, we moved down to Maronick, New York, small little town. Um, it's um, outside of uh, the city, about maybe thirty minutes outside the city, um, close to New Rochelle and stuff like that. And again, same thing, man. Great environment. I, I was thriving as a kid, man. You know, on a roll. The environment was was perfect. That I didn't have nothing to worry about. I could just be a kid. I could go to school, could do my work, you know, ride bike, play play sports, whatever. It was a safe, uh, innocent environment. And then, um, life, again, life happens. We end up back in the Bronx, and um, like I said, I'm I'm about 13 at this point, and and my mom's she's grinding. She's never home. My brother, um, I always <laughs> I always joke around. I always joke about it with my brother, but um. <clears throat> My brother used to be uh, in the streets before I was in the streets. He's older than me by uh, three and a half years. Um, actually, really, you could say about four years. And um, so he he was uh, he had a friend named Hector, and there was uh, I call them fake pimps. They used to ride, they used to ride bikes, and um, they used to I guess look over the girls down in um, in Hunts Point down in the Bronx and. Um, so I just had all this time to myself. My mom was never home. She was working. My brother was never home. He was pimping. Um, so it just left me in the house. And um, I got tired of being home alone. I got tired of looking out the window and seeing everybody do the things that I thought were fun at the time. I got tired of wanting things and having to wait to get it. And um, So I'm a child at that point, you know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know what patience is. I want it and I want it now and I got to have it. So I'm going to go get it. And that was the mentality. That was the approach. And that's how I handled things for the most part. Um, And so one day I just said, man, fuck it. I went outside, man. You know, what's the, what's going to happen? I'm going to get in trouble, whatever it is, what it is. Um, But um, the, the, the truth is I went outside because I seen an opportunity. I was looking out the window and uh, police had came and they arrested a bunch of guys and there was one of the dealers, and uh, I knew I knew where he would stash his drugs. I seen him. I didn't know anything about drugs, but I knew I knew that they were selling drugs. But I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to bag. I didn't know how to do none of that stuff. But I knew that this guy would 
be out there with his work all the time, and he would make his sales, he would make his money, and that was it. And um, so I'm out the window, and I see the police come. They arrested about uh, seven, eight people. And um, I was like, well, this guy's cool. Every time he see me, he says, what's up? You know, again, I'm a kid, man. Summertime is brutal. It's hot out there in the Bronx. Um, New York City is... is I live in Florida now, and I love this place. Central air is, is man, it's a beautiful thing when you have central air. Um, I'm, I'm from the Bronx where sometimes with brutal, maybe one or two rooms had a window AC unit in it. And, you know, if you had a cool parent, they'll leave all the doors open with the ACs running, and you put, like, a fan a couple feet in front of it to kind of pull the cool air and push it throughout the whole uh, apartment. But uh, never, ever going to feel as cool as having central air and i'm not boasting i'm not bragging but i'm just letting y'all know central air is the way if you have the opportunity to experience central air in your life you need to make sure you get it man <laughs> um but yeah so um, I, I see this happen i see these uh these guys get arrested and i'm uh, thinking about them and i'd say man i'm gonna go down there when everything is clear and i'm gonna grab his stash and i'm gonna hold it for him because typically guys would get arrested and they'd be back on the street a day or two later, sometimes the same day. And that was it. I went down and I, I, I got it. I took it back upstairs and then I said, I'm going out. And I stayed outside. I was on the block and I was chilling and nothing. You know, a week went by and nothing. And I was like, man, and you hear the chatter and they're like, oh, yeah, so-and-so ain't coming home for a while. And I said, well, what do I do with this stuff? I didn't tell nobody I had it. I said, what do I do with this stuff? And um, I remember it started with some Chinese food, man. I seen I seen one of my 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 friends across the street going home with some Chinese food for him and his family. I was like, man, I, I want some Chinese food. I didn't have no money. My mom wasn't there for me to ask. She was at work. My brother wasn't there. He was pimping. So only thing I I could do was think about that package I had upstairs, and I know that that package would bring money. So I went upstairs. I grabbed that package. And um, I did what I seen everybody else do, posted up outside. Um, I approached individuals that looked like they would be interested in uh, purchasing what I had. And uh, just like that, man. I mean, I went from having no money to, I think, I don't know, like 300 bucks. 13-year-old kid makes 200 bucks in fucking an hour or so. I mean, it was I was through the roof. I said, oh, went, bought the Chinese food. First thing I did was buy the Chinese food, went home. And I tore it up, and um, and um, I remember, I remember it like like it was yesterday, man. I got a chicken and broccoli with crab sticks and all the chicken wings, egg roll and a grape soda. And uh, yeah, I, I was a fat kid, by the way. I was I was a fat kid. Um, I, I didn't actually start working out until until again I was back. I, until not back, but until I was introduced to the streets. The streets taught me that if you're gonna be out there, you got to be prepared for life. And uh, that's in every aspect, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, and that was that, man. I went out there. I had my Chinese food. I went home, and I have all this cash in my pocket. I, man, I thought I was rich. <laughs> I never had so much money in my in my hand um, at the age of 13. Um, I was a sheltered uh, kid for the most part. Um, I had a, a, a screwy Louie type uh, raising, but... Uh, I didn't. I didn't see it that way. As an adult, I can look back now and, and and I can see that you know I didn't really have a proper upbringing. But as a child, I thought it was normal. And um, so yeah, man, I'm in the house and I was I was super big into wrestling, super super big into wrestling. And um, I, I turned around. And I said, well, 
I'm going to go down to Southern Boulevard. If you're from the Bronx, you know what Southern Boulevard is at. At the time, we lived on Prospect and Home Street, um, Prospect 167, however you want to call it. And um, I said, man, I'm going to go to Southern Boulevard. And I did that, man. I walked straight down straight down um, um, to Southern Boulevard, and um, they had, like, these wrestling frames. Um, first one I copped was uh, Stone Cold. I copped the uh, uh, Shawn Michaels. Um, oh, and I caught some shirts. So back then, um, back then, um, it was WWF, not WWE. And WWF was at war for ratings. I didn't know what ratings were then, but I do now. There was at war for ratings with WCW. And WCW was thriving with the Monday Nitro. And, uh, and, um, yeah, it was, it was, um, Monday Nitro. And I would tune in to Monday Night Raw, but I would, have to jump between uh, Raw and uh, Nitro because Nitro had like the crazy NWO storyline going, which blew my mind because I knew all these guys from WWF and I was wondering why they're over there. Um, then you had the Wolf Pack. So it's like the red and black or the white and black. Which side are you rocking with? But at Raw, you got Stone Cold raising hell. I mean, I think Stone Cold. I think he carried WWF on his back, and like, he's the reason why they didn't go down, man. That attitude ever was 100% driven behind Stone Cold. Um, but again, back to what I was saying, as a child, I really enjoyed wrestling. Uh, once upon a time, I actually even considered being a wrestler. Um, I didn't understand the workings of it. Um, but uh, yeah, that was something that I would have definitely been interested I used to wrestle with the laundry bag. So if you live in Florida... Um, most of you have washer dryer in your unit, um, but when you come from a city like New York and you live in the Bronx, uh, you typically don't have your own washer dryer. And if you do, you have it illegally, um, and you gotta hide it or make it look like a table or something when they come do inspections in your unit. Um, but we we didn't have that. We didn't have a, a washer dryer in our unit, so we had laundry bags. And then when the bags were full, then we would go do laundry at the laundromat a block or two away from, from where we lived. Um, but when the bag was full, if we weren't going to go do laundry, I mean, I'd go in the room with this big old bag of clothes, and I'd tie the knot at the top so the clothes wouldn't come on, and I would wrestle with that bag, man. Like, I was big on wrestling for a while. Um, but back back to what I was saying, back to the story. So I'm in Southern Boulevard, and I buy a Stone Cold frame, I buy a Shawn Michaels frame, um, and then I bought some shirts. It was... Uh, NWO, the red and black. It had uh, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Sting on it. Um, and then I bought, I think it was a Stone Cold t-shirt as well. And I bought, finally bought myself an actual WWF belt. And I think it was the Intercontinental title. It was the only one they had at the time when I was down that Southern Boulevard. And the reason why buying this belt was such a big deal for me was because um, we used to play wrestling outside in the backyard of the projects. And um, so when, when when we would go out there, I, I didn't have an actual belt. And so I had to become creative about it. I would go to the store on the corner and I would get the empty big boxes of whatever they may have purchased and thrown out. And I would borrow the belt from one of my friends and I would, I would outline it. I would trace it onto the box and I would cut it out and decorate it myself to make it look like I had a belt. Um, and eventually it went from the whatever title. We wound up calling it the hardcore title because it just looked so crazy. It was all beat up. It was cardboard. 
and um you know by pulling on it it would rip here and tear there so it actually just became the hardcore title which again if if you were a wwf fan from back in the day you'll you'll know what the hardcore title was um it looked crazy it was like held together with tape and but uh yeah man it was so those were interesting times so i have my bell i have my friends I have my shirts and i go back home and i'm just chilling man and um my mom comes home that night and instantly realizes that she didn't buy me this shit <laughs> she's like where did, she, where did this shit come from you know i bought it what do you mean you bought it like with what money i didn't know what to tell her i i, I made up some like bullshit lies she knew it was bullshit and she knew it was a lie like i said my mom was a hustler man she was out there getting it man she was working you know two or three jobs just to provide for us. she knew what time it was with the streets um she gave me the, the long story better not be in the streets whatever, whatever so on so on and that was it um but be just being so busy, being so caught up with life, um, it was hard. It was hard to actually be able to uh, take control of the situation. I, I spent so much time alone um, with no actual supervision that there really was no one there to stop me from doing what I was doing. I got, I got a taste for money for the first time in my life. There was no way I was going to let that go. So now my new mission was how can I get some more of this stuff so I can make more money? And, of course, I'm a 13-year-old kid. No one's really taking me seriously about it. Um, but I, I knew I had family just up the road, so I went over towards uh, Banana Kelly, and I seen some of my cousins. And um, they initially wouldn't, they wouldn't even entertain the idea of it. Um, but after being around them long enough, they... Uh, they gave in, you know, they gave in. They hooked me up and they told me, look, this is a one-and-done situation. You either make it work or or you don't, but you know, we don't want your pops on our head. And once again, this guy comes up and I'm just so angry because I'm like, how is it everyone has access to this man but me? Um, but, yeah, so I get my hands on that. And uh, from there, man, I just start I start figuring it out, man. Um, you know, I, I believe I was a bit too generous when I first started because, again, I didn't know about weighing in and properly packaging it. So yeah. I was able to I was able to get ahead um in the streets real fast. Um or not get ahead but build a name, build a reputation and um this was when everything turned and, and clicked and made me realize that the streets ain't ain't nice, ain't friendly. They don't love nobody. Cause um I'm a thirteen, fourteen year old kid or whatever and uh, I was approached by uh some older fellas. And um, they wanted to know who I they They didn't believe I was hustling for self. They wanted to know who I was hustling for. And, um, you know, I'm saying me, 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 me. They ain't buying it. And so they figured they sent a message to um, whoever it is I was hustling for. And they, they put hands on me. I did the best I could to, to defend myself. Um, I wasn't prepared for it. And and um, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? I took my first street whipping. Um but in that very moment, I, I became um, I became very cold because these are people that I, I looked up to because I had no one else to at the time. And I was like, man, this is the same people that will say what's up to you. And then they'll turn around and do this to you. I was like, yeah, this is this is different energy. And so I took that. I processed it for what it was. And I said, this will never happen again. Um, like I told you, I was a I was a heavy kid. I was a pudgy kid. Um and, and I, man, I started doing push-ups, started doing dips. My brother, by the way, was a workaholic all the time. He was always working. Whenever I did see him, he was in the house working out. He was obsessed with, like, having a six-pack. And um, he had, like, this weird, like, rowing machine in the room. And, 
Yeah, he was intense with, with the workout stuff. Um, but I didn't care for it until that moment. I knew that if this moment ever came again, I had to be strong enough to, you know, fend off uh, the offenders. I had to be strong enough to stand my ground and hold it down. And, and that's what I aim for. That's what I strive for. And so I just started with push-ups. I didn't know much about weights or anything like that. I just started with push-ups, um, dips, uh, squats. And um, uh, I was actually doing a uh, like a workout routine that I seen. There's a guy named Mike in the hood. They call him Crackhead Mike. But uh, he was like he was like a, a professional boxer or something like that once upon a time. And, um, unfortunately, you know, drugs. Drugs took over his life. Um but everybody knew, man, you don't fuck with Mike. Even though he was a crackhead, you don't fuck with Mike and shit. I seen him put hands on the super. His name was his heck his name was Hector as well, actually. And uh he, he lived in the on the first floor of the building. He was a super and shit, you know, cleaning up the building, thought the trash. Never seen him fix anything, but you know, he just kinda did the maintenance for the building, I guess. And um one day I don't know what happened, but he got crazy and he said some shit to Mike and Mike put hands on him, laid, laid his ass out, and I was like, Man, that's like that was dope. <laughs> that was dope. That was that was dope to me. And um, I seen him. I seen him go through that. And um, but I would watch him, even though he was on drugs, man. He still had his like workout routine and shit. Every now and then, I see him at the park, and he go from his push ups, he go into the squats, so he'll be doing like what I know now to be Spider Man push ups. Back then, it just looked like some crazy shit he was doing. But you know, he was he was he was official with it, and so that was my first. My first thing, I was like, man, I'm going to dive into these push-ups. I'm going to do these squats. I didn't know what they were strengthening. I didn't know what they were doing. I just knew my body hurt after I did it. So I felt like it was working. I felt like it was doing something. Um, then I seen the guys on the corner. They started doing pull-ups. and So I started doing pull-ups. And eventually, I shed the I shed the fat off the body. I started to kind of fill out and, and build a little frame. Um, and, and it prepared me. It prepared me for it. For what I was gonna embark on next, and what the streets was gonna bring my way, um, and um, down the line, I did have another encounter um, with an individual, but this time it was just one individual. And like I said, I had been working out, so I held it down. Um, I didn't take a whooping, but I didn't give a whooping. It was more of a, a, a respect thing, and it was like, "All right, you got it. I got it. I right, go that way. I go this way." And I was it. We left it at that. Um, and and um. Again, I'm like I said, fourteen at the at the most, thirteen, fourteen at the most, um, and um, and that was that. So w- w- once I seen that this was gonna be a reoccurring thing, I said, well, you know what? I need to find someone that I can get my hands um, that has a, you know, has a has a gun, and that's that's what I did. I wound up getting, I wound up getting a three eighty. Um, it wasn't nothing major. Anyone who knows weapons, but it, it did allow me to feel that much more comfortable and confident while I'm out there. I didn't feel as vulnerable. I didn't care if you came with three, four of your friends because, you know, in my pocket, I got eight, you know. I, my, my shit only held, held eight rounds. At that time, I didn't know nothing about having one in the head or anything like that. I just knew I had a gun. I, honestly, I never, I never even fired it prior to having I never even held the actual gun. So this was all new to me, but I knew that it was it was essential for my survival out there. And um and that was that, man. Um fast forward um a couple years down the line, um we wound up moving to the other side of Bronx, uh 
to 172 in Townsend. And I get over there, and I'm coming from Prospect, and my mentality is totally different. I wound up actually clicking over there, but my mentality is totally different, and everything goes to just a whole nother level. Everything kind of gets exaggerated when I get over there because I'm coming from the projects, um, and I'm going to what looks like a nice environment. You know, they got security. It's got gate. You need key access to get in and out of buildings. But, man, let me tell you something. Nothing nice about that side of town, man. That that side of town, it's just just as bad as the jungle, man. Tales and Walton, wife, the Concourse, Sheridan, right? You got Jerome McCombs, like, man, animals over there, man. Like everybody got busy. Everybody got busy. Um, but fortunately for me, I, I when I got there, I was already groomed for that environment, coming from where I came from. Um, we had a life lifelong friend of the family um and and you know she was our neighbor and her son was like a little brother to me I've known him since he was in diapers um so he knew most of the community at least the people within our age range so when I got out there it wasn't so much so of a introducing type thing but it, it just took the mystery out of who's this new guy on the block when I got there I didn't trust nobody I didn't really rock with nobody like that. Probably for the first year year or two, I was going back to Prospect every day. I was still going to school up the street from where I lived at. So whether I wanted to or not, I was still going across town until I got kicked out of middle school. When they kicked me out of middle school, then that's when I was forced to go back and um, and stay permanently over there. I'm on my side of town, and I wound up going to a, a completely different middle school. But, um, but yeah, man, so so with all of that being said, I'm, I'm, I'm in a new environment. I'm... I'm trying to, you know, claim, claim my, uh, claim my stake in that, in that new neighborhood. So things escalated a little bit, you know. I start, I once again, I'm still in the streets, you know. Uh, if not, still, I'm, I'm more in the streets now. I have a better understanding. I have people I, I can connect with. I can make a phone call and have people show up if needed and things of that nature. So, um, confidence level was through the roof, and um, yeah, man. It was it was a it was a real interesting ride. I was young. I was always in the streets. I was I was about that action. So New York City was really heavy on gang activity, and um, yeah. So I, I wound up I wound up coming home as as they call it in the streets. I, I definitely was involved with um, a lot of different um, activities and and uh, surrounding myself put myself in environments and places and situations that I would never want any of my children to be in, which is part of the reason I'm living where I'm living. I want to give them a better opportunity at life than I had. Um, I don't regret anything of it. It it built me to be who I am. It, it gave me so much character. It gave me so much understanding. Like I said, it taught me life is going to be harsh on you. People are not going to always be nice to you. People are... People, I think we're the worst. We're the worst um, of all on on planet Earth. You know, we call animals animals, but I believe we're the true animals, man. Because, you know, they 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 know how to live amongst each other. As long as you're not part of the, you know, the the circle of life. As long as you don't fall somewhere down the line in the food chain, you're pretty much safe, man. But you don't see predators attacking predators, you know. 
they just kind of, they know what they got to do. They stay in their lane and go go from there. Unlike us humans, man. If I'm an alpha and you're an alpha, we feel like we got to take each other out because there can't be two alphas. And and sometimes we just do it for no reason. I'm an alpha and 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 you're not. And I still feel like, hey, big bang, take little bang. You know, I'm going to get you out of here. So, um, yeah, it, it taught me. It taught me a lot. It prepared me for a lot. Um and yeah, so being out there, being out there in the Bronx, um, being out there on towns and now, um, I'm clicking and um I'm clicking with with few people, man. But um I remember I met my I called my brother, man, this this guy, this guy, man, DNA can't make him any closer. Um my brother Trubs, man, we uh we we met we met through Ty, my my man Ty and um and and Kenneth, and I remember seeing this motherfucker walking up the block, and I'm like, "Fuck is this guy?" Because I never I never seen him before prior to that, and um, uh, back back then the flight jackets. If you from if you from in while you know the flight jackets, man. Once upon a time, flight jacket with the hoodie, you was lit. Um, but I remember I remember seeing this motherfucker walk up the block, man. He had a black he had a black flight hoodie. Uh, a black flight with a black hoodie underneath it. He had these long ass, like clear and black beads. And back then, that shit represented like Rough Riders. And I remember saying, "Who the fuck is this coming up the block?" And they're like, "That's KC." And I'm like, "Oh, who?" But man, let me tell you something, man. They introduced us, and we clicked like instant. You would think I knew this cat my whole life, and we clicked instantly. And I mean, instantly, bro. Like. You didn't see him without seeing me and vice versa. I mean, it was so crazy that I wasn't... I had people in high school believing he was my brother. Like, there was nowhere I went that you didn't see this guy. Like, real shit, man. That he ace for sure. Right hand, without a doubt. Like, that's my, my fucking brother. I love that dude to death, man. Real shit, man. My kids call him Uncle K. If that's If, if that don't explain to you how close and I'm talking about till this day till this not back then I'm talking about till this day my kids are calling Uncle K um and, and by by the way dope super dope artist if y'all not familiar check him out man he go by the name of Trey Trubbs GBM you know what I'm saying um that's my brother man that's my family go show him love man check him out on IG check him out on iTunes he's on all platforms streaming really like my favorite artist like he don't miss this dude don't miss he just need the right opportunity um i'm gonna have him on i'm gonna have him on the platform we're gonna we're gonna break some things down y'all gonna get some 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 different stories because my brother is very uh very uh probably the most intelligent dude i know out here man like i used to be working out in the room music blasted in the winter time and he'd be reading a fucking book and i never understood this nigga always read books read magazines like all that shit he was just always reading, reading, reading. So he's got a ton of knowledge, man. Dude is super, super smart, super gifted, man. He can write his ass off. Um, he's he's really talented artist. He can draw. I mean, I I I have a a set episode where I'm gonna sit with him and really really dive in. And again, same thing with like myself with him. It'll probably be a two three part scenario because just so much history there, man, and and so much more to come. Um, but yeah, man. So. Me and me and Trubs, man, we become we become, you know, fucking like two peas in a pot, man. My brother. 
my brother from another mother, man, all his brothers, like my brothers, you know what I'm saying? His mom, like I call mama love, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, real, real, I tell y'all, I tell y'all, man, like, when they tell you, um, um, blood is thicker than water, man, I'm like, yeah, that's true, but, um, water is, water is sometimes better for you, right? Not actually sometimes always better for you because you need, you need water to live, um, and, and, that's there's just no way around it, man. That's family for me, man. Fuck all that. Um, I got better relationship with that man than I got with some of my relatives. And if y'all have been following me through the gram and all that, y'all know I'm big on that shit. I say it all the time. You know, not everybody, um, not everybody is your family. Some people are relatives. You know what I'm saying? So he definitely in that family category for sure. But um, moving on. Um, yeah, me and me and me and Trevs get together, man. I mean, that just took us to a whole nother level. Like, matter of fact, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna clip. I'm gonna clip this here, and then part two of who is Coach Fig. I'll make sure to feature Trevs on it, so he can shed light from his point of view. Cause, I mean, yo, me and me and his me and his cat, man, we. Man, I'm telling you, man, can't go in cash. I mean, I don't know. I can give you a million examples, man, but that that dude really, really is my right hand. I, I think that's how I break it down, man. I give you guys a quick little intro on myself and my my upbringing and all that. I didn't, I still didn't dive into like where I'm at today, but I'm gonna give it to you guys in phases. So this will be phase one or part one or whatever however y'all want to however y'all want to uh break it down or, or word it. And um, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna tap. I'm gonna tap in with with my brother Trubs. I'm gonna have him join me, and he can kind of speak on that that part that we both experienced and and all the above. And then I think that might be the best approach as I as I in, in, in indulge as I dive into different parts of uh, of my 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 life, my history, my past. I bring in certain guests that can shed light from personal experiences with me. Um, I don't want to make this extra long, extra draggy. Um, so with that being said, I want to thank you guys again for tuning in and listening to uh, listening to me speak, giving you guys a little bit of a breakdown of myself. Um, reason why I wanted to start this way, I don't want you guys to think that I'm I'm just some guy coming out of nowhere just speaking about no, listen, man, when I speak on sports, I played football. I had scholarships to Syracuse and Penn State, okay? GPA dropped, all of the above. If you know anything about that, it ain't just about how good you can play. It's about what you can do for the school and things of that nature. And, um, yeah, I wasn't um, up to par with the lifestyle I was living. By the time those scholarships came by, I wasn't think I wasn't, as much as I would have loved to go play college football, I wasn't mentally prepared for that. And I didn't have nobody in my corner to put their foot in my ass, turn aside and tell me what it is that I had to do. Um, and I don't fault anyone for it. I take full responsibility. The choice was mine. There's people that come from a lot less and still make better choices every day. Um, so it's not an excuse, but it's just my reality. Um, Golden Glove boxer. I, I, was, I ran underneath uh, Miguel Cotto. So 
boxing and all of the above when I speak on that like that and I'm very passionate about boxing I actually stopped watching it I stopped following I stopped training people because people don't share the same passion and it's become so much of a business and I get it you got to make your money and so on and so on but it's become so much of a business that it's not even enjoyable no more right and and when you can't enjoy it when you see the the fights that need to happen not being made like the Spence and the Crawford's not happening the the Joshua and the Wilder's not happening because everyone's worried about these records or these titles or man cut it out you guys are making millions of dollars to go out there and perform for the world and you guys are acting like divas but that's again that's another topic and matter of fact that's that's part of the next episode that's following this one next Sunday um, at 11 a.m., which is called Exposing the Game. I'll be breaking it down for up-and-coming fighters, how you, you can uh, kind of work around the system without needing a promoter, and you can do this 100% independently, the same way uh, music artists uh, have found a way to be independent and do it on their own. I'm going to show you guys how you can be independent and do it on your own because, for the most part, a majority of you fighters are already doing all the work. I'm just going to show you how to get it done. Um so that'll be very informative for, for for up and coming fighters. And I know a lot of promoters ain't gonna be happy, but hey, I don't care. I'm not doing it for y'all. I'm doing it for the fighters. Someone's gotta protect the fighters. Um, but yeah, man, uh, when I speak on business, um I have ownership of a transportation company, I have ownership of a cleaning company. Uh you're listening to my podcast. <laughs> um, so these these are things that I have experience with. Right. Business. I'm not I'm not I'm not a mastermind. I'm not. But hey, my formula works. My formula works. If you can take anything from it and help your formula be just a little better, I'll be perfectly glad with that. That's exactly exactly what I would want. Um, So with that being said, um, if I give any uh, life advice, trust me, I haven't had the greatest life. So I, I can definitely tell you. Uh, what to do right because I've done a lot of wrong. Um, I'm a I'm a husband. I'm a father, right? Um, I've been with my wife twenty years. Okay, twenty years. I don't know many people out there that can say the same thing. So when I speak on certain topics, trust me, I'm I'm speaking from from um, personal experience. Um, but I have long experience in in each category. Um, things of that nature. I'm never sitting here telling you that I'm right and you're wrong. I'm just giving you my personal experience. Hopefully you can apply it to your personal lifestyle and, and you can get better results than what you got going on. Because like I tell people, if, if what you've been doing over and over isn't working, why do you keep doing it? It's, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't ever process it. But sometimes we need somebody to really drive us to that next level. So we need somebody to really point us in the right direction. And that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to point you in the right direction if you're not able to put yourself in it. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm Coach Fig. You know the deal, man. I'm checking out. Um, be sure to look out for the tip of the week. I was going to add it to the podcast, but I'm going to release those separately um, because there's some people that may want to just tune in for that. People just may want to grab the tip of the week and not want to sit on on a podcast for an hour plus and listen to everything I got to say just to catch that tip of the week. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the tip of the week separately so that you, for those of you that really just enjoy the tip of the week, you can just go directly there, man. So once again, Happy New Year to everybody. Much love, peace, health, and blessings. 
2023. I don't know if you have resolutions. I don't know if you have plans, but, you know, we got to start this year off better than how we ended the last one. All right. It's all about improvement. We need to continue to evolve in the right direction. We all need to do better, if not for ourselves, for our children, for for our parents. Right. Let's give back to our parents. Right. Let's let's do better overall. I can't control the world, but I can control myself. So I, I can't be worried about what you're doing wrong. I can just focus on what I'm doing right. All right. So, again, I'm Coach Fig. Thank you for your time. I'm checking out, man. This is Fig's Pro Tips, EP2, who is Coach Fig, part one. Part two coming soon, featuring Trey Trubbs. Remember that. Again, peace, love, and blessings. God bless to everybody. I'm out.